0: As an expecting or first-time mom, you're undergoing a major life change. A whole new chapter is opening up in front of you, and at times, it can be overwhelming. There are so many new things to consider, questions you may not even know to have asked. And frankly, emotions are running high. On Amanita Minute, we highlight stories of moms and parents, bring in subject matter experts, and provide resources and research to help you feel more empowered in your journey. Thanks for joining us as the co in Ama Co. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Amanina Minute. Today, as part of our third trimester series, we're talking about one of my favorite topics birth plans. Now, I know they can be controversial, and I've heard both sides of the coin. For some, they worry that building a birth plan will set a false level of expectation or add more stress to a mother preparing for the worst or thinking through intimidating situations or details. And I agree, many times things do not go according to plan. There are things that happen in the delivery room that people can't foreshadow regardless of screenings or testing. But what if we place more value on the exercise of building a birth plan in itself? What if having that document opened up conversations with your partner about labor and delivery outside of the labor and delivery room? What if these tools affords you the luxury of time to think about these decisions you want before the doctor or nurses ask you in the height of the moment? Here's why I think a birth plan is essential and foundational in having a great birth experience. Just by drafting a birth intention, you are getting your head in the right frame of mind to advocate for yourself and feel more prepared for the big day. Studies show that just by writing down your goals, as you would a New Year's resolution, your chances of achieving them are 42% greater. Another reason I'm super passionate about the birthing experience is because I really think it helps set the tone for the confidence a woman will have going into motherhood. Many women who give birth do not have medical expertise and are out of their element in the delivery experience. I've had many friends and moms on the show sharing terrible birth experiences that have stayed with them years to come. In fact, according to the National Library of Medicine, up to 45% of mothers experience birth trauma. Since I was able to have the birth I wanted and had a positive experience, it's really important to me that I do what I can to support future mothers in this moment. Now, there are many ways to do this, but I'm going to share what worked for me and my partner as well as the tweaks I'd consider from experience. In partnership with our chief health officer, who is also an OBGYN, we crafted a birthing plan template that is free to download through the link in the episode's description. If you're interested in walking through this together, pause to download it now and let's get to it together. First, decide if you want to write this alone or with your partner. Personally, I think a mother should write and own it because it's her body and ultimately she will be the one executing most of the effort. I ended up writing it out first and then walking my husband through it and making changes in collaboration. Whatever format or template you choose, what's important is that you're going to be able to find and reference it and make copies for your care team. Find the time of day when your mind is most fresh. In approaching the birth plan, I don't want you to view it as a birth plan absolute. It's not chiseled in stone, and you need to give yourself some grace. I actually want to rebrand this as a birth intention. We always hope for the best and prepare for the worst. At the top, fill out basic information such as your name, expected due date, doctor, partner, emergency contact information, You never know what circumstances may have brought you to the delivery room and you want to make it quick and easy for the staff to get in touch with your people. Also be sure to put at the top if you have any pre-existing conditions. They'll likely see it in your chart, but just in case, it's good to remind the staff. This would include your strep test, if you have gestational diabetes, or need any medicines, for example. After these housekeeping details, there are three major chunks in the birth plan. One, How do you want to spend your labor? Two, what kind of interventions are you open to for delivery and labor? And three, specifics for baby care. So how do you want to spend your labor? As in, what environment would keep you most relaxed, allowing your mind to be at ease and your labor to progress? Who else is in the room? Most may want their partner, but some have also asked for their moms to be present or a doula or birth coach, if that's the path you're planning to take. Make sure to review hospital guidelines on the number of guests in the delivery room, as COVID and guest protocols may vary across states. Also important, are you open to having students or interns present? My answer was a no, but a doctor might ask you if it's okay to bring in someone with them. What kind of music relaxes you or makes you happy? Some people want classical or instrumental acoustics, others want 90s throwbacks. There's no right answer, just what is going to make you feel at ease. Do you like essence? Candles are probably not allowed, but essential oils are great. And what kind of lighting do you want? For women in labor, typically you want a calm environment with dim lighting so that you're not overstimulated in focusing on laboring. Personally, I really remember the super bright light that was shined in the last part of labor when I was pushing my son out. For my experience, I wanted to avoid Pitocin, which helps induce labor and speed things along if your contractions are not getting closer. One way to progress labor is to move and walk around, so I asked for more mobility. When you get admitted into your room, they typically strap two heart rate monitors on you, one for your baby and one for you. This makes it pretty hard to move around. but. If you ask, the nurses are happy to help figure out a solution. In some cases, some hospitals also have wireless versions of this. When they were happy with the results they saw on the heart rate monitor, they allowed me to remove it and walk around before strapping me back in again. Bending over and using a yoga ball also helped me with the contractions, so mobility was key in my middle and end stages of labor. Some hospitals offer yoga or peanut balls, and some women like to labor in the shower. These are all tools that you can ask for during a hospital visit, and by setting a birth plan, you can be prepared to ask for these amenities. Pitocin is only one of the interventions that can occur during labor. For my second child, my labor didn't progress after 12 hours of walking and squatting around the room. The staff was very patient, helping wait it out with me, but I was getting desperate and hungry. FYI, you're not allowed to eat once you're in labor. My doctor ended up breaking my water, which isn't painful, to help aid the labor. Another common intervention is an epidural. I would talk with your doctor on what phase of labor or level of pain makes sense for you to receive the epidural, as I know in some cases it does slow down the labor. Using an epidural would also limit your mobility and would require a catheter. I went into labor with the expectation not to have an epidural. Towards the most intense portion of labor, I ended up asking for one, but since I did not already have an IV and the anesthesiologist was assisting an emergency C-section, I was one of those cases where it was, quote, too late by the time mine could be administered. I don't have regrets on not getting an epidural because in hindsight, I now know how close I was to the end of my labor, but I am offering this experience so that listeners do not find themselves in my position." Be upfront if you think you will need one so that the staff can time manage accordingly, but also be confident in yourself if you've prepared yourself physically and mentally not to have one. The delivery portion of the birth, which I'm classifying as the end of labor, is typically the most intense time frame. At this point, you've likely not been able to talk much because you're focused on pushing and everyone is in the moment. In many cases, you will be asked to lay down on the bed to push, but some others like to squat or bend over. You won't know what's going to work for you until you try it out, but it's helpful to have ranked options listed so you can remember what you want to try. To get the baby out, there are also some tools that you can consider. In these cases, maybe you're having some trouble and you've been pushing for some time. There are some interventions a doctor can take, one being an episiotomy where they cut the skin at the opening of the vagina. I was a no on this, but I heard this sometimes minimizes tearing or makes the tear cleaner. Forceps, essentially tongs to help pull the baby out. I think these are not so common in practice anymore, but just good to note that it's out there. And vacuum. Yes, you heard that correctly. There is a vacuum to suck the baby out. It could have some adverse effects, but I did end up putting this on my birth plan as a worst case scenario if I couldn't push him out. I think what's most important to know is that birth plans are a roadmap, but you'll need to flex accordingly. I ended up creating a ranking of interventions should the worst case scenario occur. For example, I didn't want Pitocin or epidurals, but if I really could not progress or really could not handle the pain, I gave myself the grace to ask for those. If I could not push my sons out, I wanted an episiotomy, vacuum, and forceps in that order. And worst case scenario, go for the C-section if needed to save my kids. It's a list you never hope to go down. But if you need to make those split-second decisions, having this plan helps everyone stay aligned with what's next for the mother. So now you've gotten the baby out. It's been an intense few minutes, if you're lucky, or hours. The post-delivery part of your plan is equally important as it relates to the umbilical cord. Do you want to delay clamping so that the remainder of nutrients can flow to the baby? Does your partner want to cut it? Do you plan to bank the cord blood? If you do, you need to arrange this ahead of time and get a special kit to the hospital. Include the cord banking information in your birth plan if applicable. Do you plan to encapsulate the placenta? Do you want skin to skin right away? And do you plan to breastfeed or use formula? Skin to skin is said to be crucial in the first hour of the baby's life to promote mother's lactation and help the baby regulate breathing and adjust. It was important to me that I had skin to skin before they did anything else with the baby after checking initial vitals. Typically, staff administer an eye gel, a vitamin K shot, and a hepatitis B vaccine to the baby. We asked that they don't give him the vaccine as we had planned to do these things during the baby's first checkup. And that's it. That was my birth plan, and I kept it to one page on a Word doc. I walked my ob through it and brought copies on the day of. Chances are, your doctor will not be delivering your baby. I did not have my doctor for either birth experience, and so I'm glad I had this paper to guide the conversation with someone I hadn't met before and did not know my history or personality. With anything in this birth plan, it's important you discuss with your doctor and align on the path forward. Be vocal and continue to advocate for yourself, and when you can't, make sure your partner or support person can. This birth plan is also a tool for them. I hope this episode was helpful to you if you're expecting and that you'll check out our birth template online. Birth can be scary and daunting, but it can also empower you and show you the inner strength you've had this whole time. If you have any questions for me or our expert ob or comments on this episode, Join our Facebook group, AMA & Co., to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for joining us and see you next time.